Hello, intrepid podcast listeners. I am podcasting to you from out in the middle of nowhere. A friend of mine asked me recently how rural I was, and I came to the realization that some of my friends think that I live in the total boonies with nothing. Now, that's kind of true in a way because the landscape is very big and open, and there's you know, just views for miles in all directions of beautiful desert plants and mountain ranges. Um, And, but in this, but in the same breath, there's just domiciles and B&Bs scattered throughout the landscape in all directions. So to say that I'm isolated is kind of not true. Today, something really cool happened. I was sitting, taking a break. No, I was working on something. Today I just spent the whole day puttering. I blew off everything I had planned and just had a really fun time in the outdoor space, just kind of setting up a potting bench and puttering in my greenhouse and setting up another shelf in there and getting my clay pot set up in there on the shelf and just like little kind of stuff that really matters that I haven't been doing. But I noticed that these two dogs <laughs> had meandered from the southwest over into our property and were just kind of like not sure if they should come through but they were interested kind of checking checking it out and my dog alerted and noticed them and I was like come on guys it's okay because I figured I assumed they were the neighbors because my dog had gotten off of her zip line last week and my neighbor who I hadn't met yet who has three dogs and two cats I don't know how she does that um hey pup up be quiet um she had walked over and she had not taken the road she had walked through our properties and just come up from kind of the back behind you know behind me which kind of unsettled me a little bit I would have preferred if she took my front entrance but you know I was glad she brought my dog back I didn't say anything of course um but it's kind of how it is out here maybe. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I had chatted with her a little bit. And, um, so when I saw these two dogs, I figured they were hers because she's the only person I know who has dogs around here and I hear her dogs barking, you know, fairly frequently. So I figured they had gotten loose. And so I got them on a cable and I got my dog on her leash and I walked all three of them in the direction of her house, which I knew by the color she mentioned that it was, it stands out. It's like a light green. But I noticed that the dogs were kind of leading me a little farther to the west rather than directly to her house. And so I bothered to kind of check their tags. And, um, you know, it said they're free roaming and they know they know where home is and they'll find home if let be. Um, and so I was like, okay, so I'll just follow them because they're probably leading me home. So they led me to a place I didn't even know existed. It's this hidden away little place to the west of me that you can't see from anywhere. And nobody was home, but it was like this, like, um, really cool compound of just craziness. (laughs) It was like, it was like kind of like the hills have eyes, but like not in a scary way. I don't know how to explain that to make it not sound bad. But it was just all kinds of crazy projects and structures and junk. And there was a chicken in a coop. And um, there was like, I think maybe some cob, a cob house 
part and a truck and a van and all these crazy things. And I kind of felt like I was like, hello, is anybody here? <laughs> I was a little nervous because walking on people's property, some people have signs out here that are like, we don't call 911. <laughs> and they have like bullet holes in the sign, like fake bullet holes and a picture of a gun. But, you know, I was trying to return their dogs, I thought. So anyway, nobody was home. So I'm like, okay, well, um, I don't know if this is your house or not. So let's keep going. And so we went over to the lady's house and she wasn't home, but two of her dogs were there. And so I was like, oh, okay, you're not her dogs because she only has three dogs. But we met these really beautiful little dogs. And one of them was whimpering on a chain. And we went over to socialize with him. And then the other one was a really old dog who wasn't on a chain. And he got up and got to have some fun too by getting social. It was really kind of nice. Um, actually it was sweet. And then I walked up her driveway and noticed how many trees she has. My property has very few trees. I think there's like 15, which sounds like a lot, but it's five acres. So it's not that many trees. Hers has a ton of trees and they're all pretty big and they're like lining her driveway and stuff. So, um, it was really neat. There were like doves and she had all these bird feeders, which is funny because that's what I've been doing. I just got four new bird feeders and filled them with a really diverse mix to attract more variety of birds. And I hung them in some of my trees just kind of throughout the property. Some I can see from my compound central area and some I can't, but I've been hearing more bird song and it's so wonderful. So anyway, we we walked all the way back to my house and because one of the dogs had a wounded foot and was limping and it looked pretty gnarly, it looked like there were rocks embedded in the dog's foot, <laughs> which I couldn't really figure out. And I was like, not about to try to start ripping up the foot to get the rocks out and the poor little guy. And they were really sweet dogs. They both trusted me and were nice. I gave them a lot of food. I gave them a lot of water. My dog wasn't too happy about sharing, but I tried to explain to her that, you know, we were just going to call their owner and see and, you know, try to help because it seemed like one of them was injured. And so I called their owner and left a message. And after a while, I didn't really hear back. And then eventually I just decided the the one that was that didn't have an injury looked like, you know, she just really kind of wanted to keep meandering. And because their callers said that, I just decided to let them both go because they knew best and they meandered off to the northeast and just um, kept going in this diagonal line in the exact direction of the water flow across the property. And um, they were such sweet dogs. And so then I did get a text from the owner or no, it was a voicemail that I guess came through as a Google voice to text or something like that. And, um, you know, it sounded like he was a little concerned, but was, um, was grateful. And then also just kind of that he suspected that they were probably going to make their way back. Um, but I did call and he said that the wound is old, an old wound and, and the dog does fine with it like that. So I was like, Oh, okay. Um, I don't know how I feel about that, but it's really none of my business. So I just kind of let it go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Apparently, they're just dogs that are allowed to just run around. They were really scrawny and bony, and their ribs were sticking out. And I was like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like my dog doesn't get enough food because she, I don't know, it's hard to get her to eat. Like, she was eating when um, the dogs were here because I think she was just like, this is mine. I'm going to eat it. (laughs) But looking at them, I'm like, oh, my God, my dog is so much better than, like, in terms of not being underfed. But they were very thirsty, too. So I hope they're okay. But it was super sweet and nice to meet them. And um, it was cool that they came by. I hope they don't come by all the time to eat my dog's food because I do have it outside right now. Um, But, yeah, that was kind of a nice uh, unexpected event. 
And then um, I'm just sitting here watching these crows. They've dwindled from nine to four, but they're really, it's like a very stark black against the brown hills, you know, like mountains, this huge mountain range um, that I'm looking at. And, um, and then the, what I call the patch, which has the verdant green um, salt brush and then the super tall grass, like taller than me by far. And we went over there the other day, actually, and I got some seeds from two plants that had not lost the seeds to the wind yet. And it was kind of rare because most of them had. And so I got lucky and just kind of walked around and found a few and gathered some seeds. So I want to try to grow those. But today was all about kind of setting up the outdoor space a little more. I, um, you know, when I threw up the greenhouse originally, it was just kind of like, got to get this in, bada bing, it's going to freeze. And I had hay bales that I planned on using to do a skirt for the RV um, to kind of help the floor not be so cold. Um, you know, a lot of heat loss happens in RVs under the RV. So um, I had originally really had a hard time finding any skirting material at all. I did really a lot of searching and just couldn't find anything. And so came across these hay bales that are sold in town at the grocery store. And, um, slow down, buddy. You're going to hit the big ruts real fast. Oh, to talk. Oh, he's slowing down for it. There are these two really horrible ruts in the road, right? Kind of close to my driveway. Um, but so I have all these hay bales. I've kind of ended up just using them for different things because they're kind of great for a lot of different reasons. But, um, so I had these hay bales that were kind of blocking my, um, composting. I'm doing, uh, fermentation of kitchen scraps and also I'm doing fermentation of pet waste because I was really concerned about that um, the coyotes come through sometimes and leave droppings and there's rabbits and stuff like that that leave droppings but um, you know animals that eat human-made factory-made food are probably you know kind of like humans that live in town like probably a lot more toxic load in their bodies um, and I just felt bad about that. So I have a fermentation system. So it was kind of just being blocked for the, you know, from the wind by these hay bales. And so now what I did is I have, uh, I had the greenhouse open all day and, and kind of learned that it's really hot in there during the day, even in the winter here. So I kind of want to remember to open the flaps and I'm going to do some, a really special kind of a shade cloth over the top of that, I think, and do some chicken wire to hold it all down and re-anchor it with some really strong rebar stakes that I bought. They're beautiful. They're perforated with holes so you can kind of really tie things into them and they're really beefy. So I'll be sledging those in. I think I've got a few in already. I need to move one of them. And now I've got some old um, lattice, which I will say as a material I used to kind of despise and think of as cheapo, but I follow. I went past this house um, on the highway a few times that used it across the whole front of their house to screen their porch in. And it actually looks really nice. And I can tell that they have nice shade because of that. So I was like, you know, maybe I can get some. And then I found out that it's extremely hard to find and very expensive now because everything skyrocketed and is way too expensive now and hard to find. So even lattice. But I finally found a source of it and I paid probably about $32 to $35 a sheet of it, which is a lot, but whatever. And um, I'm going to do a bunch of work to screen in the RV um, from two sides because I feel really exposed since my property doesn't have a lot of trees. So 
at least yet. <laughs> I'm putting on my hoodie if it sounds muffled because I got a little bit chilled because it's kind of coming on in the evening. But anyway, so I used this scrap piece. I got a few pieces, two panels and then a partial panel, like about a half panel from this guy who kind of does scrap. He has like a scrap. He bought a scrap yard place that he's turning into like a mechanic shop and he has like a bunch of old vehicles he's working on and he's a pretty nice guy he's kind of a dream boat too but he's married um but we get along great um he's same age you know gen x and um uh he sold me some rain barrels and he sold me like some other some scrap junk stuff which is <laughs> really funny because when i brought the junk home i kind of instantly felt like more like at home like i like junk I just really like old rusty junk. It's I've always just loved it. I think it's because I grew up around like junkyards and funky water, you know, front houseboat community anarchist kind of hippies. But um, anyway, so I use one of the pieces to kind of create this space that's kind of safe from the wind. And I use really strong anchors to make sure that it's really stabilized. Digging up some of the T-posts I put in the ground has proven to be very difficult it damages the t-posts but they still can be reused and in one case the end broke off the, the the bottom part broke off but i didn't realize they were going to be so hard to pull out i just used them for this catio and then i used them to mark out where i thought my perimeter wall that i'm going to build will be um, but now there's a nice little nook for the fermentation stations and i now have a potting bench which is so cool i assembled that today um, it's a little warped. It's funny, the kit that I got, it's like the top's totally bowed, but I might screw, I might like drill a hole in there and screw it down. Um, that for some reason reminds me of what I started my day with. Um, got up and just immediately started working on procuring heat because yesterday night I found out that my um, furnace motor is shot and it's been doing this thing. oh my god i just saw this huge group of crows just coming in over this mountain range oh wow it's so cool it's pretty rare it, so i'm always lived in places where there's tons of birds everywhere all the time but this is actually not that common and wow i wonder if they're gonna hang out with these other crows. no they're going they're just going forward they're just going in their own so neat <laughs> Anyway, sorry, I got all distracted because it's kind of cool to watch wildlife do their thing. Oh, they are turning. They are. They're all turning. They're going to circle now and they're going to, wow, there's probably like 40 of them. And they have a white part on their wing. So yeah, this is the other type of crow. It's like a native crow that I've never seen before. They're all going to alight on the same tree, it looks like. Now there's going to be a murder of crows. <laughs> it was really cool. Sorry, guys. I'm wigging out. This is like just happening right here while I'm talking. Is just beautiful to watch um, but so um, it has been over the last few months since we got to the um, since we got to Texas and we were forced to stay at the RV park for a month um, while we waited for the one of the contractors we're still by the way I'm still waiting for the contractor by the way most of it's done but there are still pieces that are not like I still have to hand carry I have to haul water. Like, I feel like sometimes it's Little House on the Prairie out here. I'm <laughs> just like hauling water and doing all this, all these chores. Um, but it used, to, it was waking at me up in the middle of the night in this really kind of freaky way where it would, it would sound like a, a ghost. It would sound like a howling woman, like, like, Whoa! kind of sound. 
and I didn't know what to do. I was like, it probably just has dust in it. You know, I didn't really think too much of it. Um, it really, I should have probably done something about it then because what I found out I could do is I just turned it off all the way, turn the thermostat off all the way and then turn it back on and it would run fine without making a noise, but it would wake me up in the middle of the night. Um, it did it only a few times, like maybe three or four times during that month but it was enough to like jar me awake and kind of wonder if the RV was haunted or you know it was just kind of spooky. So now starting last night it basically did that and then when I turned it off and turned it back on it kept doing that. So I finally went on YouTube and I was like because I have internet now. <laughs> I'm a highfalutin internet person. Um haha because I was out without internet for three months. Um so I went online and I found this um, RV technician who did a video that was mostly good and like easy to follow, but certain things he didn't clarify, like which wires exactly are you doing what with, but mostly it was pretty good. And he talked about how when you have this sound, it means that your uh, furnace motor is shot and you need to replace it. And he showed how to replace it. So the first thing I have to do is figure out what I'm replacing. So what exactly am I buying? What brand do I need? So I need to go in and actually look at what I have. And I'm going to try to do it myself because the contractor that I'm currently waiting on, uh, my other contractor who built my structure and brought my tanks over here and set up the basic rainwater catchment, um, he's done. He's finished the work um, and he's all paid and everything. So really that's I mean the other day he texted me and was like I'm gonna go get this giant trampoline and do you want the poles and I'm like hell yeah I'll take any kind of scrap of anything bring it on <laughs> um so he's gonna drive up to the bigger town and and I guess bring me that so that's kind of cool but um anyway um this guy I'm waiting on um he is I'm still waiting on him to do certain things that like he said he would do within days of the other contractor finishing and it's been months and it's still just dragging on and he installed um this pump and filter which actually leaked and they leaked all night long they woke me up about six times over the course of the night um it turned on and was running because it was leaking and I came out in the morning and checked and there were two big fast drips coming out of it and the whole ground outside the shed were was all like soaked so I turned it off and unplugged it and closed the valve and I don't know how much water I lost, but probably a lot, which sucks. Um, but he, he was going to bring over the same model again. Cause I was like, I told him and I'm like, can you please replace it? And he says, yeah, I've got two of these other same one. And I'm like, you know, honestly, I kind of just would feel more comfortable if there was basically a new model that didn't have issues. Cause he had spent time while installing it, explaining to me how this particular model was kind of set up to leak because it was, he was, I don't even, it's funny how he is. He's a Virgo. He goes into like detail of things that I, I don't understand. Like he's using all these technical terms and I'm like, I, can you say that in English? Like, what do, does it, I just need to know if it works or not. Like, I don't need to know all this stuff, but it, the one good thing about it is he was, um, going off about how this one part, and I don't even remember what he was, what part, I don't even understand any of it, but it was this one thing that was tapered. And so therefore the normal thing that fits on to normal other ones that aren't tapered, it, it can't fit on all the way. So it just leaks. And so I asked if he could just get a different kind, cause I don't want a leaky type of, I don't want to have to deal with this. This is crazy. I've had to haul water now like three times since I've been waiting for this new one to come, you know? So I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to be all negative and crabby or whatever, but you know, it kind of, it's a little hard to, to have to wait this long for him to finish just basic things. And I'm a little frustrated, but I'm trying to just be really nice because I'm at his mercy. So anyway, 
<laughs> um, so that's that. And uh, I don't know, it was fun today kind of puttering around. I went on a walk a couple weeks ago and found a bunch of old um, stalks from the yucca that grows around here. And one of the yuccas. And I really like them. They're just kind of beautiful and amazing. And nobody just does anything with them. So I was like, oh, I'll stick them in the ground and use them to like hang stuff off of or whatever. Because they're actually pretty sturdy if you hang something light off of them. Um, so today I made with with the biggest one, which is actually really tall. It's probably like about eight feet tall. Um, I installed it with a concrete footing buried underground at an angle. The I installed the stock at an angle and um, hung a wind chime that I had that had kind of broken that I had had in um, Los Angeles County. And I had not been using it because the sound was um, since it was broken, the sound was a little jarring. But when I so I fixed it and now it's really kind of got that more mellow sound that I originally liked when I bought it. So now I can see it when I look out to the north towards the road and um, that because of that, because I wanted to sit and look, that's why I got to see these crows. I would have missed them probably before had I not had something to kind of draw my eye. So that's really kind of nice to see. I like looking at that and also the sound will be pleasant when I go near it. The only thing I don't like is, well, it's probably because the wind is just really mild today, which is very nice that it's hard to hear because it's such a mild breeze. There's not really even a breeze right now. So, and then I took two of these really amazing, beautiful bamboo trellises that are adjustable that I'd found. I think I found it at like grocery outlet or something when I was in LA, but there were just two of them left and I got them for like, I think it was 12 bucks each, which was a great deal because in Portland, when I lived there and I worked at a nursery as the designer there, they were being sold for $40 and there's the same exact ones. So I snagged these two and I brought them with me and I had used them when I just flew through this greenhouse up. Like I was saying, I had just kind of put them on the sides to kind of help hold it down when I, this is before I even was able to move out to my land. We were at the RV park. Um, but so I was, I took them off the sides of the, of the greenhouse to really make use of them. And I installed them on the West side, kind of the, well, the Northwest corner, um, with the plain kind of face facing West, I guess I would say. And then I installed the other one, um, on the Southwest, um, post of the shelter that I have here. And they really add atmosphere. They add energy, um, everything that it kind of that's done outside in the outdoor space in the garden in my view changes the vibe and adds energy and it's really impactful for me in particular because I'm very attuned to the garden and to the landscape and to plants so it's something that for me is really impactful so um I I can notice the difference already and I'm really glad and now they are ready for some kind of vine so we'll see what grows there um I think I mentioned this last time that I've come to realize that this soil needs amending. So I finally got my humic DG and I did some research into this to find out like what would be the best thing to get. And the ones that I went with are two large bags. Uh, they're probably like a one and a half cubic feet each. They were about $65 a bag, which is really expensive. There was another product that was like, I think $15 a bag that was saying it was the same stuff, kind of not the same stuff, but similar. Phew, excuse me. 
And I decided not to get that because this one went into depth about how it was the right kind and it had all the right. It's like the analogy would be micronutrients or, you know, like organic versus non-organic, I guess, food. So that it had the active stuff you really need, not just saying that it did. So I went ahead with the expensive stuff. And also the other reason is it says it covers a large area. So I'm actually going to buy one of those little handheld spreaders because normally I wouldn't do, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't be so like by the book, but I think I should with this because I only have the two bags and I want to cover as much land as possible. And I'm not, I don't really remember because it's been so long since I, well, it's not been a huge amount of time, but it's been a while since I um, ordered this. But it doesn't really say on the bag, like it said in the um, advertisement and the listing, like what it does. But uh, basically, I'm going to, it's going to, I think, add nutrients and, and moisture holding capacity. Oh, there goes the contractor I was just telling you about. He's driving by. Maybe they'll see me wave. Nope, they didn't see me. I always wave at them when they go by, but they never see me. This one has the characteristic sound of a trailer. <laughs> He's always pulling this trailer and it's so loud. <laughs> oh well. Um, I think he'll be here this coming week, hopefully. But so um, this stuff I think is going to help to build the the organics that this uh, dirt here is, is apparently lacking. And there's a lot of other things I'm going to do to build that or those organics. Now that I kind of know, like, I probably need to focus on that first before thinking about planting. Um, I'm going to do cover crops. So I think that this stuff will help with the cover cropping. Um, so anyway, those are a few of the things I'm kind of looking at and thinking about and preparing for. There's always a ton of stuff to do. Ton. Like I could just spend all day, every day doing cool, fun shit that I... I'm passionate about that needs to happen, you know, like earthworks or soil building or, you know, creating garden beds. One of the things I decided through doing some research was that, first of all, I thought, oh, I'll do raised beds because the soil isn't really ready to plant in yet. Um, and I learned this from killing four trees uh, by planting in it, even though I had like rich amendments and all this stuff, they died anyway. So, you know, I didn't do a scientific experiment to see why they died, but my gut is like, oh, okay, wait, I shouldn't have probably put them out yet because the soil needs, I don't know, it's just my intuition or my the decision I made. But um, so I was thinking, oh, I, I guess I could just throw in some raised beds for now and that way I can be growing food and not waiting until like I improve the soil of my land to do that. Um, and then I was thinking, well, why do raised beds? Raised beds shed water anyway, and the material is expensive. Like to do a raised bed, the cheapest that I found was actually a pretty good deal. It was like 50, 45 or $55 for a four by four raised bed, you know, structure. But that's $200 for four, you know, four by four beds. And you also have to buy all this stuff to fill it with. And I was, I just started kind of going on YouTube and I found that there's these people who, and this doesn't make sense to me. I thought about it afterwards. I'm like, wait, maybe this will make sense to you. I don't know. Uh, a lot of times I'll be distracted and thinking about a lot of other things. And so I'm not always necessarily like fully focused on the, on one thing and can kind of be a space cadet because of that. It's like a mad scientist kind of thing. But, um, 
anyway, they were talking about how they were basically doing this kind of, it's basically Hugo culture kind of where they were throwing, they were doing a, like, let's just say 18 inch deep bed or 19 inch deep bed. And they were filling the bottom 10 inches or so with branches and just some guy with one guy was using old compost. Um, another guy was actually advocating for putting fresh horse manure and fresh chicken manure in there, which I thought was a really bad idea because it's not cooked. It's why, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really understand that. But anyway, the main idea was that you put um, a bunch of just like filler that's technically organic material that will break down a lot more slowly, but it will eventually break down and it, I guess the theory is it provides something for the roots to go into if they want to go that deep. And then on top of that, in the top half of the bed, you would put like, you know, your normal amended soil. And I'm thinking, well, then why would you, okay, (laughs) why waste all that time? Why not just make a bed that's only half that high and put your amendment in there? I don't, I like, I don't, my, what am I missing? (laughs) Um, I'm probably missing something, but they just never explained it. And I'm, I don't understand. So anyway. I've been a designer for a long time, but I've not really been, I've been a gardener, but like more of a half-assed gardener for my whole life. Like I've never really like, again, just done it by the book kind of thing, you know, and I, I have always been too busy to really do a lot of gardening, but I putter and I love, I always have a garden and I always, but it's kind of neglected. And it's kind of the classic thing when you're a professional at something, you tend to neglect your own yard or property or whatever, you, you know, it's like when you go to a hair salon and you see the, all these stylists and they just look like they just rolled out of bed and they didn't do their own hair, you know. Um, I've seen that many, many times at salons. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's it's basically that. Like you just devote all your time to helping other people and you don't ever really get to your own because you're too busy. So that's really pretty classic. But I'm really trying to teach myself the basic like more horticulture and gardening kind of more um, small. It's a totally different scale, right? Than design and planning. Um, it's more like, you know, your hand on a twig that you just cut and, and, you know, in a greenhouse, like trying to keep a plant in a pot alive or whatever, instead of considering an entire property and a watershed and like all these different macro things. Um, but it's really fun and it's really enlightening and I'm really excited. I've always wanted to build my knowledge deeper in that area, kind of more fine grain, if you will. So, um, I was thinking like, well, why would I do a raised bed in the first place and spend all this money on all these materials when I could just dig down and do a sunken bed and totally not have to buy any of those, you know, panels or whatever that are going to cost at the very minimum $200. And in most cases, far more than that. Um, why don't I just dig down? instead of doing a raised bed, just do a sunken bed. And that way it'll be actually cooler so that the soil temperature won't be so hot because it's not so, it's not like up, uh, you know, out there. It'll have a little bit of instant shade from the walls of the sunken bed. And then it'll have um, less evaporation because it'll also be kind of out of the wind. And I ended up watching a video uh, that said exactly that. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to do that. <laughs> so now it's just a matter of figuring out the actual perimeter, fa- the perimeter wall. Like where is it actually going to go? And I have to measure, I need my laser. I just need to use my laser because trying to use a tape measure is silly. Um, it just, it's crooked. <laughs> but so I think I'll do my laser and all. What I want to do is seven feet out 
for myself to do basically two small garden beds and then um, a small path through the middle of them that that's going to be like quote unquote my space um, and then the dog will have her dog run which will be the fence so the, the dog the dog run will be the fence essentially um, there'll be an internal an interior fence that she'll be able to see into the compound through and you know, interact with whoever's in the compound um, and like if I'm over on one side, she can come over there and hang out next to me if she's in the dog run. And then the exterior will be, I think I'm going to either do like um, a alternative concrete type of thing, or I'll do like earth bags or um, something like that. Maybe I haven't totally figured it out yet, but I think I know the direction I want to go. I need to do more calculations and more just like, you know, really thinking about how much material would I have to, you know, is this feasible? Yada, yada. But I think what I need to do is re-measure because right now it's feeling like I didn't really include enough space. So I need to go out further to the west because there's the shed and the two tanks and they're pretty big. So I want to go seven feet out from there and then another five feet for the dog run, I think makes sense. I mean, I guess I could do like a four foot dog run, but I just want her to have space. So once I get that in, then I can start marking out where the dog run will go. And then I can actually then do the paths and the beds you know, mark those out and start digging. And once I get those dug, then I can just cart in a bunch of, you know, um, happy, you know, soil amendments and go ahead and just do a, do a garden. Um, so yeah, I was excited about seeing people using branches cause there's a ton of woody debris out here. It's, it's like a, it's just everywhere. There's just wood everywhere, which I was really surprised by. Because in a desert, you know, you think, oh, it's just sand. There's nothing out there, no plants or whatever, maybe some cactus. But this is just filled with wood. Um, so I don't know that I'll be using them for that. I've never really been a fan of Hugo culture. I don't think it actually makes any sense. It's adding way too much carbon to the soil. Um, you can put a log on top of the soil and it will hold water and it will, you know, really be just fine. Um, you can mulch really thickly would be my preference. Um, logs are good too, but you know, burying carbon woody material doesn't make sense to me. And I don't think, I think it's a lot of work for no, there's no, besides you're mounding up. I've seen people do Hugo culture. They were doing it in LA. Uh, some people that I kind of knew for a while, um, uh, among the progressive kind of community there. And they were mounding up that they would create this big berm, like this really tall berm, like two feet tall in their yard. And it's just a watershed. It just sheds water. So I didn't really, I don't, I don't really subscribe to that. I don't recommend them. I like swales personally, because they allow water to infiltrate into the ground, which is kind of the whole point, in my opinion. But to each his own. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, I think um, I like the idea of the, of using those branches for something, but I think I can find probably another thing to use them for. I'm sure <laughs> there's, maybe I could make a cool low fence out of them. I don't know. Um, one of the other things that I did the other day was I started pruning my trees there. I was kind of looking at when to prune in this kind of climate. And right now is the time that they say to do it, those who know. And um, so I, and one of the things too, is these mesquites, they tend to, uh, this is what I hear locally. They will grow taller if you prune the side stuff a little bit to encourage them instead of to go laterally, more shrub-like, more multi-trunk shrub, but, you know, to help kind of help them grow into tree form. So I took a bunch of um, 
smaller branches off a couple of trees the other day. And I was thinking to myself, these are potentially baby trees. Like, why don't I try to root them and just see what happens, you know? And because they're used to this dirt here that we have, I just didn't amend the little bucket, the bins that I put them in. And I didn't do drainage holes in those bins because I want to reuse them at some point. Um, I haven't had containers for a while. And I finally got a bunch of containers and I'm like, don't want to ruin my container. Um, but I used Rutone or something like Rutone. It was some kind of rooting hormone. It's like a gel, I think. I like the powder best personally, but anyway, this is what I was able to get last time I got root, uh, the rooting stuff. And then I just jammed them all into these, um, you know, native soil and then just watered them. And they have this super great vibe to them. I don't know how to explain it. I've talked about this before with regard to seeds and seed consciousness that I, that I can feel, but even just looking at them, I just feel their energy in it. They've just got this really cool vibe. And one of the Kind of, I, so I've always kind of thought in terms of atmosphere and that's why I got into landscape architecture and went and got a degree and pursued that as a career path because I, I really believed very strongly that the human mind is affected by the environment around them and the atmosphere that can be created so quickly and so powerfully with structures and plants in particular. So I wanted to be able to create atmosphere through the use of outdoor, you know, scaping and plants, especially structures for plants and plants and outdoor rooms and whatnot. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm getting this vibe from these little cuttings. There's this, this landscape has this, this wider kind of land, this valley that I'm in has this swampy kind of a Halloween-y vibe to it, I guess is how I would characterize it. And part of that, it's so funny that I would think of it as a swamp because it's a desert. But there's a lot of water that comes through here in the monsoon. And I mentioned this in a previous episode where the I could feel the energy of that course that that water takes, even though it's not currently running. It, it's left a trace. It's left an energetic trace that I can feel. So these this landscape has this kind of swampy vibe. And it's a really cool vibe. It's a beautiful landscape for what it is. It's kind of stunning. And I've lived in mostly wet environments that I think are too wet. To be honest, I never really liked Oregon. It was so green and so wet that it became mossy and mucky and cloying. And, you know, the native people who lived in um, the Willamette Valley called it the Valley of Sickness because it was moldy and they would all get sick because it was too, too much water. So I'm not minding this dryness at all um, after all, after like so many years living in you know, environments, they get, so they get a lot more rain. And even like LA was a step from that to here, an intermediary step where it didn't get much rain at all either. Um, but it was definitely more moist than here. And it's so funny because right before I left LA was just raining a lot and it was really miserable there. <laughs> so anyway, these little cuttings, if they survive, if I can get them to root, I don't know if they'll actually do it for me. I don't know a lot about propagation yet. I want to learn a lot more about that. I might start doing some air layering if this root, this rooting hormone uh, technique doesn't really take. But I've got these two little bins filled with these prickly branches, and they're so cool, just as they are. So I'll have to see how they do. And uh, now I've got a few of these really cool um, yucca spines sticking up in my landscape like dead trees, and they're starting to create, again, that architecture and that sense of 
you can see something is there out of the corner of your eye. And if you're really sensitive, like I am, you can feel it and, um, it just changes the landscape and it, it adds more depth to it. And one of the other things that I did was I had this really uh, solid branch that I found. I don't remember where I found it now, but I've kept it with me for a while and it, it kind of has this natural arch to it. So what I did was I did a little concrete footing and buried that and have it kind of sticking out at an angle how I envisioned it. And then I had, I bought a little bird watering, like a, what do you call it? A bird bath. And it's kind of an octagonal shaped thing. It hangs from a, uh, three chains. And then I have, um, uh, no, the bird bath is round rather. And then the, the seed pan, it's like a seed tray is octagonal. And it's kind of nice too, because my whole point of wanting to do the bird feeders other than attracting birds and bird song, um, was to see if they, they were messy. Like the ones that I had in LA, the ones that I had in, that I brought in LA, it took them a year to find my feeder, but once they did, man, they were there all day, every day, just about. And there were a lot of them and they were messy as hell. <laughs> there was millet growing into the side, like on the, on a mat of muck from, of millet muck that it was so mucky that it would like, cause I'd water, you know, and it would just, there were like sprouting millet on the concrete under the bird feeder. So I'm thinking if these desert birds are any, as, as even half as messy as those California birds, we'll see, maybe I'll get them to sprout some stuff in my land for me. So I don't have to, you know, be like, oh, I forgot to water. Um, so I also got um, these 100-gallon collapsible barrels. I'm going to get – I'm not sure yet if I want to do four separate pumps or just do one and move it But because I don't know how, how much water or how fast. I'm really tempted to invest in four pumps so I can just pull the water out and not have to worry about like, oh, the rain is going to stop. I'm going to lose the, the wash or whatever. But I want to fill – um, so I'll get 150 gallons at each station and I'll do four stations. Cause that's just kind of what the gully seems like it would support. And we'll see, I don't know. And so I have these blue barrels or 55 gallon barrels that I got from this guy who has the junkyard in the mechanic shop. And I have those kind of spaced down the gully that in a way that kind of just seems right to me. And then I'm going to add the hundred, the hundred gallon ones. I'll add those next to them. And I think what I'll do over time is just keep adding tanks as I go. And then what I want to have is as I pull water out of the gully, as it's running off my land, I'll pump it out up into those barrels. And then from there, I'll be able to do drip irrigation to those areas from those tanks um, when it's not raining. So I would like to have a large number of tanks doing that. So I'll just kind of build up over time. He ran out of tanks. I got the last like six that he had, I think. Um, and I have two for the wetland and, uh, and then four for the landscape. So, um, but I'm going to go laterally on contour kind of out from the gully as I, as I build. So I need to probably get my pump. We have until May. Uh, I have until May. Um, but I say we, because those of us out here who are doing any kind of gardening, um, and, you know, are thinking about when it's going to rain, but, uh, yeah, so the rains will probably start in May. That's typical unless we're going to have another, if it's going to be a drought. Um, I don't know. I'm going to, as I'm talking, walk over and move some of these plants that I brought out today back into the greenhouse. I don't really want to leave them out. I really do, but I, I don't want to lose them. 
but I brought out um, a rosemary. It's pretty big rosemary. And then I brought out a pomegranate. And I noticed something about the pomegranate. One of the nights that it got pretty cold, um, I forgot to close the flaps that I'd open in the greenhouse. And that was a big mistake because the pomegranate, and I didn't realize this till just today because I was kind of getting in there and looking a little more closely, but the pomegranate, some of its leaves actually, um, it was right near one of the open flaps and some of its leaves, like you can tell um, that they're, they got frost damage to them. So I just, it's probably not going to get that cold tonight. The last two nights were cold enough to bring the dog inside and sleep with her in the nook. <laughs> Um, so I just don't want to risk it, but, um, apparently pomegranates do grow out here. So we'll see. I feel really bad about the willows that I have because they're just, it's like they are really excited for a while. And then if you don't put them in the ground, they're like, they lose steam. And I actually think that's probably why I lost those three willows that I planted. It was more that I had waited too long to put them in the ground than, you know, them, than the soil being bad because they didn't even touch the soil, the dirt here, because I just put them in. So anyway, maybe I'll have to revisit that too, as far as, you know, am I gonna try planting stuff again or not? Um, it's like relationships. I think a lot of people, they have one bad experience and they get scared away from stuff or they become kind of neurotic. And then they decide like, you know, well, you're just like every other, you're, everybody else is just like that one person. And you know, they kind of forget to start fresh in the new relationship and they get weird and passive aggressive or whatever. Uh, kind of like that. <laughs> so I'm just going to close up the greenhouse for the night. Good night guys. And one other thing that I think was really cool that happened, um, today, and I kind of go this way. I think you, if you've been listening to this for any length of time, you kind of know this already about me, but something that I'm learning about myself um, but I kind of just, when something is kind of ruminating in my mind and I'm not sure what I want to do with it, I tend to like, just not worry about it and know that it's going to kind of work out and I'll figure it out later. You know, I'll figure it out at some point and I just don't see the answer right now, but it, it's probably out there. Even though I have no concept of what the heck that answer is. Because <laughs> if I did, I'd just do whatever. They did. It impl I'd implement the answer. Um, and sure enough, so I think I mentioned maybe that I was building a catio. <laughs> well, the catio turned out I did it, but the wood that I got was really poor quality wood. Um, it was the only wood that they had in LA that I, you know, in that, that um, size. And so I just ended up with some really crappy wood. And it just, you know, it shattered and it just looked bad. It was all warped and it just, it just didn't have straight lines at all. And there's really nothing I could do to make it better. So it was just this kind of monstrosity. And I had the two cats when I had two cats, I had them in there and I left them in there for like a week. I just had had it at a certain point. I was like, that's it. No more cats in the house. I just can't take it. And, uh, and I felt so horrible because we had a lot of wind and there was dust. And one of my cats is kind of asthmatic. He has like some kind of bronchial asthmatic thing. And I was just like, I'm a terrible mom. And <laughs> so, I don't know. I brought the one in, the one who's got the asthma. And I 
decided to give away the other one because I've been wanting to give him away for a long time, actually. And I really wanted to give it as, as much time as I possibly could to see if it would work. And it just, I just really needed to, to not have two cats. And so he has a really good home with a really nice lady who lives locally. Um, and I think it's a good match, at least so far. But anyway, um, the catio, I don't use it anymore. It's the, the cat right now is inside and I'm going to do this awesome patio and yoga deck up on top of the RV. I got my railings. My railings came, but I'm waiting on my posts. I've got my post footings. Um, I'm really excited. I think it's going to be super cool. And so I'm going to make these, this, I have these stairway, this stair cat stairs that I bought that you install one by one. And I'm going to have them, I'm going to do a cat door and I'm going to have them go from the cat door up to the patio on the roof. And that way the cat's safe from the dog. He gets to be up high like cats like to be. And he gets to go outside when he wants, but he's safe. And I don't have to have this ugly freaking catio blocking the view and looking like trash <laughs> in my yard. So the nice thing that happened from all of that is that I was like, how am I going to do compost? I want to start a compost pile. I'm starting to, to you know, generate material that would be really good for a compost pile. Um, you know, I don't have anything to build a compost bin out of, and I kind of feel like I want to do something so it doesn't blow away. And then I'm like looking at this catio and I start taking down the catio and I'm like, oh, okay, this is perfect. It's got chicken wire. It's got crappy little one by twos that I don't care about that are pieces of crap anyway. Um, and it's basically four by four by four by four by four or four by eight by four by four, whatever. And so basically I can cut the chicken wire out of one like length of it. And I think, um, I think I could then just top load and it's a huge compost thing. So I can probably modify it a little bit, but I'm really happy to find a use for this monstrosity that wasn't really working. Um, and get it out of, you know, this initial, um, you, you know, usage that I had had it set up for. Um, and I'm willing to admit I, you know, wasted all that time and money and, you know, effort and yada yada, but I learned something from it and, you know, maybe it's not a waste because of that. Right. Cause that's just how we learn is by trying stuff. And sometimes we don't do things the right way or we do it a way that could be improved upon. But anyway, the catio is now down and it's not totally gone yet, but I'm looking forward to getting that thing. <laughs> um, I'm going to, so part of what I have to do to get it, totally move it to where it needs to go is I have to figure out where the beds are going to go in the, the sunken beds I'm going to do. And then once I know where they are going to be, then I'll know like where to put the compost because the compost is probably going to be kind of near, the, near them. Um, yeah. But anyway, that's another little thing that happened. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else that needs to go in this episode as far as what's been going on. I think that's pretty much it. There's always stuff going on. Um, I'm still really excited about being here. There's, it's, I don't know how to explain it. Um, but a few other people I've kind of just chatted with over the last several weeks, they've iterated it really well. They've just said, um, you know, this place is special there was a guy in the laundromat who just started chatting me up. Um, and he was saying that he's been trying to get out of here for a long time. And I, he's from here. And I was like, Oh, okay. So you don't like it. And he said, no, actually it's really special. Uh, I'm probably going to settle down here. <laughs> but, um, so I agree. It's, there's just, I, I can't put it into words. I'm not sure 
what it is yet, but there is something about it. I just feel, I don't know. It's weird because I'm like out in the middle of this I'm boondocking. I'm like permanently boondocking. I'm by myself. There's really, you have to drive to get gas and food. Um, but for some reason, I just don't feel afraid and I don't feel lonely, really. I sometimes feel a little lonely, but I think that's kind of normal for human beings. And I mean, for somebody who doesn't have any family members who keep in touch with me or care about how I'm doing, um, I'd say I'm doing pretty well not being lonely and depressed out here. But I, you know, I just kind of thought it might be a little harder. And knock on wood, hopefully it doesn't get harder. But I think it's because there's something about this place that's, it's like a last bastion of where people actually kind of care and, uh, you know, they care about each other and they, they understand that it's hard. Um, it's a harsh environment or it can be. And so they kind of look out for each other a little bit and instead of it being kind of more dog eat dog. And then people kind of will want to know how you're doing. And they, you know, there's like a community, which isn't so common in lots of other places, but I don't know. Um, I still haven't really kind of met any friends or whatever yet. I, I don't really go out that much though. I'm pretty much a homebody. It's, it's terrible. I know. Um, <laughs> I should definitely be more social, but I don't know. I'm just kind of, I just do my thing a lot. I'm very busy and I don't really mind being alone. Like it doesn't upset me. Um, so I kind of just, but I, I did force myself to go to a quote unquote dance party, um, last week. And I ended up just talking to one of the contractors that I know and, and then had to leave cause it was going to freeze and I had to let my dog in, <laughs> but, uh, the music was good. I didn't, nobody danced. Um, but you know, I didn't really think anybody would anyway. Um, but it was nice to be social and sometimes I feel like when I'm stomping on my mat, I'm really not removing dust from my boots. It's more just riling up the dust that was already on the mat. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, so there's lots of social events out here, far more than, um, I ever thought there would be. And probably far more than I'll ever attend because I'm not really, I don't know. I went too many things alone for many, many years and just kind of got really tired of it. But I also think that if you're going to make friends in a new place, you kind of have to put yourself in places where you can meet people and talk to them. So I'm going to try to force myself. And um, yeah, there's just always stuff going on. So there's no lack of... <laughs> There's no, there's not really a lack of things to do. And anytime I start thinking about like, oh, I miss LA and all the things that I could be doing and civilization and not having to haul my water and yada, yada. Then I remember what's really going on in the world. And I, you know, don't really miss it anymore. Um, and I also remember that I didn't really go out a lot when I was there. Unfortunately, I really thought I would, but I just didn't. It was, you know, just such a long drive to everything that... I just didn't, I was just kind of a homebody and that was just the way it was and it was okay. It was fine with me and, um, you know, I didn't really miss it. Sometimes when I'm in my car listening to music, I really like, then I'm like, oh man, why am I not at a rave right now? <laughs> or why am I not seeing a live band? And then I remember that I didn't really go see live bands when I had the huge chance to, um, you know, so 
it is what it is. So anyway, um, that's pretty much my report for now. And, um, next week I might be able to report on having the wetland up and running. I hope because everything's here now. And the only thing I'm waiting on is that contractor to do the last part of the pipe. And I'm going to get another contractor to fill it just to, to start, start it off with water. And then I'll get to see if my, the one, the wetland plants I did bring out here and the seeds I bought will take. And, um, I get to enter a whole new chapter of like that adventure. <laughs> so, and there's a ton of other things. So anyway, thanks for sticking with me, um, and listening and, um, have a great time until we meet again.